I don't feel like it's my biological responsibility or my biological bent to be fulfilled by motherhood. And I can love, love being a mom without being fulfilled by it. There are lots of things that give our lives meaning. There are lots of things that form our identity. And trying to be fulfilled by one thing alone is too much pressure on that one thing, whatever it is. You're listening to Mom After Hours, a podcast where we talk about the wins and challenges of being a modern mom. For real, we don't sugarcoat and we cover everything that is taboo. And don't you worry, mama, we save a seat for you. Hey, it is Brandy Wytrack, host of Mom After Hours. Thank you for joining me today. On today's show, we are talking with Brittany Bergman, the author of Expecting Wonder, The Transformative Experience of Becoming a Mother, a book in which Brittany wrote when she was pregnant with her second child. We talk about everything mom, (laughs) everything mom life, and the existential crisis that we go through with our identity and who we are as women and kind of embracing the fact that it's okay to not be fulfilled by motherhood alone. She shares some insight into her motherhood journey and how she overcame mom rage and postpartum depression and how she has zero guilt about not being fulfilled by motherhood. So we're talking about all that and more. So mamas, sit down, grab your drink, and let's dig in. I think we can agree that no two motherhood journeys are the same. So can you give us a little insight, Brittany, into how your motherhood journey began? Yeah, um, I would be happy to. It was planned, uh, true to form. It might have been planned a little too carefully. I have very clear ideas about what I want and when I want them. And my husband is actually a very easygoing, like, let's just see what happens kind of guy. And I'm planning things out months and years in advance. I actually started worrying about our ability to get pregnant long before we were ready to have kids, even, you know, back when, before we were even married, um, because I was like charting my cycles and realized like, oh, I don't have the greatest cycle for achieving pregnancy. There were some hormonal things that were out of whack. And so I worried about it for years (laughs) before we even started trying. And I even pushed him to start trying earlier because I just had it in my head that we were going to struggle, that, you know, it could take a year, two years, and I wanted to get started as soon as possible. And he just really believed it was going to happen quickly and for no good reason, really, except that he's an optimist and I'm a pessimist. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I think a lot of women too are over planners. I'm an over planner too, but but it's funny. It's like I over plan on pretty much everything else in my life. But when it, but I was more like your husband when it came to children. I'm like, ah, if it's meant to be, it'll be. If it happens, it happens. But obviously, when you have a goal in mind, like, okay, I want to have children, or I want to have two or three children, you're. Yeah. I think women tend to be more meticulous about making sure that this happens when it's supposed to happen. How you know? Yeah, that's right. Were you one of those girls who always wanted to have like several kids, and you grew up longing for children? Your kids were named, you know, when you're four years old. And 
Not even a little bit. (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, I was definitely not one of those kids. I actively did not want to have children for most of my life. I grew up with a stay-at-home mom and she was amazing. She loved motherhood and she made it look fabulous. Like I knew how much she loved it. And I still was like, Oh, no, this isn't for me. I've kind of like we were talking about before, I've always been a bit type A and from a very young age, like super career focused. And so I thought, Nope, I'm not going to have kids. This seems like they would be very inconvenient. And um, I also hated babysitting. It was the job I did most (laughs) frequently as a teenager, because it, you know, it paid better money than working in food service. But I didn't enjoy it. And so I thought, why would I take on a lifelong babysitting job? Um, yeah, that's true. assured me that it wouldn't it. No, be scary. like that. <laughs> Sometimes it feels like that a little bit, but there is such a depth of love there for your kids that it, it is different. And I can acknowledge that for sure. Um, what was the turning point? Was it meeting your husband and then like falling in love and you're like, I want to have babies with this guy. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I kind of had a couple turning points. So in college, I sort of came around to the idea, but I think it was more of like, I was really involved in a religious community at the time. And it felt like, oh, women are supposed to have babies. So I need to learn to want to be a mother. And so I kind of took that on and tried it on for myself. And eventually after college, sort of as I moved a little bit further away from that community and like was in a career for the first time and thought about like, okay, now I'm here in this adult part of my life. Is my career everything to me? Is it the the one thing I want to be driving toward forever, you know, maybe for 30 or 40 or 50 years? And I realized that, you know, there are any number of things that can be create, help us create like a meaningful and fulfilling life. And for me, I realized that I, I did actually want to have kids. And a lot of that came back then to my family of origin and how much my siblings meant to me, how much our family unit meant to me, how grounded I was in that. And then, of course, meeting my husband kind of sealed the deal. So I had already thought that I probably would end up having kids. And then kids were always part of the deal for him. He grew up in a big family and yeah, it just, it all started to make sense for the right reasons. How old were you when you started your motherhood journey? I was 27 when I got pregnant and then I was, yeah, 28 when she was born and I had my second at 31. Okay. So you were, was it that like approaching the 30 mark that kind of put the fire under you? So earlier you were saying, you know, how you were a little, little more relaxed about it. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh no, I got, you started tracking your cycles and you're like, this might not be as easy as I thought. Was it because of the age, like 30 or were there like stories that you were hearing from friends or? Yeah, it was both of those things for sure. It was approaching 30. Um, and knowing that I wanted to have multiple kids, you know, and trying, you know, thinking so far out of like, okay, well, if I want at least two and I want them to be spaced this far apart, when do we need to start trying so that I don't run into problems? But it was also, It sounds crazy now because 28 feels impossibly young to me, but I was the last of my friends to get married. I was only 26 when I got married and I was the last one. And so they all had kids by the time 
we had even thought about starting to try. All our friends have kids. What are we waiting for? I was like, well, what's the difference? If everybody else has kids, why don't we just have them too? Isn't it funny Um, what an impact our friends and family have on our decisions to totally have kids and everything? Because it's funny. I only had, I think, like one friend that had a child when I got, and I got pregnant later. Like I, I was 35. So I don't know. Maybe all of my friends are like more like adventurous travel kind of people that are, they just want to move and live all over the world. And I feel like a lot of us are similar in that, you know, we pushed back our motherhood experience. So maybe that's part of the reason why I didn't feel that like huge urge to, you know, have children or have multiple children. It was just like, yeah, if it happens. But I, I think that if I did have more friends that, you know, had big families and were already married and settled down I think maybe it's possible that I would have ended up that same way, but it, it's it's like they say, birds of the feather flock together. So, yeah. <laughs> and when you see that around you, and like you know, you're like, then you start thinking, oh, am I the only one who's like not getting it together? We're always told we're okay. We got to be you know married by this time. You have to finish school, buy your house, do this and that, and you have you know society says you've got to do it all this certain way, and then if you get past that point, then people think that there's something wrong with you. Whether it's totally. mentally or physically, emotionally, whatever. I explore that a little bit in in the book. Expecting wonder is like as I was trying to figure out the timing of kids and why do I even want them. Apart from like these feelings of comparison, I realized that through our whole lives, at least in the early part of our lives, we do progress on exactly this, mostly on exactly the same track as everybody else. Like we go to first grade and then second grade, and then we go to high school. And then, you know, a lot of people then end up going to college. And so things start to fork a little bit there, you know, maybe somebody chooses a different path with technical school or going right into the workforce. But like, for me, I ended up going to college, and then you, you know, you graduate in four years. And then things really start to change, like, people take a gap year or they take an internship or they get a job or they get married and they start having kids. Like everything starts to go at really different paces, but you still have sort of this internal instinct that like, well, I need to do what everybody else around me is doing. Cause that's how it's always been. Like we need to get to the next stage together. And it really took me a long time to realize that like, I don't have to follow a prescribed path that I get to chart my own course through this. And That was a little intimidating, but it was also very freeing. I think that we all should create our own path. There's millions of us out there. It's impossible for us to all stay on that same little narrow path of white picket fences and 10 children and, you know, whatever, whatever vision that you have. So if I were to have met you three months postpartum, Brittany, with your first child, what kind of person would I have seen? What kind of person were you at that time? That is such a good question. I really had to think hard about this. At three months postpartum, I was struggling so hard with postpartum depression and anxiety. And I had absolutely no idea. Like I felt anxious, but I didn't realize one, that PPA was a thing. And I didn't even know that I had postpartum depression because my main symptom was rage. And I had no idea that rage could be a symptom of postpartum depression. I thought it was you know, being disconnected from your baby or staying in bed all day or, you know, having feelings of wanting to harm yourself or crying all the time. And I didn't feel any of that. I just felt really angry. You wouldn't have seen the real me compared to the person I was at home. I was so filled with fear that I was hardly eating because I was so anxious. Like I could not get food down. 
And I was working, you know, I was back to work and trying to put myself together every day and do my hair and try to be presentable. But inside, I was just an absolute wreck. I was also recovering from some childbirth issues still and in pain all the time and was trying to kind of cover that up because I didn't know how to talk about it. My daughter was taking very short naps. And that was the thing that kind of set me off. And I made myself absolutely crazy trying to fix it. I felt like it was some like I just kind of took that on as my thing that, okay, I'm a good mom if I can fix this issue for her. And I would get so angry and sort of take it personally (laughs) when she kept taking short naps, despite all my attempts to get her to sleep longer. And just that coupled with the struggle to heal. I was like, on one hand, I was totally obsessed with my baby, thought she was the most wonderful creature to ever grace the earth. And then at other times, I felt like she had done all of this to me. And I sort of started to resent her. And I had to sort of come around to the fact that all these difficult things I was experiencing, she was not the cause. Perhaps, you know, it happened because of childbirth, or perhaps it's happening at a hormonal level because I had a baby, but I had to really learn to separate and, and disentangle my identity from her, not even behaviors, because she was just a baby, but like her existence, really. We had to figure out who we both were. It's hard at that time. If you're experiencing pain and you have a lack of sleep, that right there is enough to kind of trigger you and make you angry. Like, it's like when you're in pain, you don't have a lot of patience. Plus, when you have lack of sleep, you're not, you know, you're not, your brain's not working right. And then the hormones. So yeah, it's like a calamity of errors. And those early months are probably the most difficult for all mothers. How has your motherhood experience evolved since then? I didn't get help for the mood disorder, again, because I didn't know that I was struggling with it. I didn't realize until well past a year postpartum what I had been dealing with back then. But that put me on high alert when I had my second baby for all the signs that I missed the first time around. And I had a plan in place for getting help, getting therapy, you know, seeing my doctor. And so I I got help eventually, but probably too late. I did get help with the physical side of things. And that was wonderful. I have a great OBGYN. She wrote me a prescription for pelvic floor physical therapy and, uh, you know, referred me to a couple of other specialists and it was a team approach, but they really helped me get my body back to a place where I felt like it was mine again. And that was huge. Now, almost five years later, I think I've lost at least that deer in headlights look, you know, (laughs) I know that look. (laughs) Oh yeah. Some days, you know, on the worst days, I experience some of those feelings again, and it's almost a trauma-like reaction, but I've done enough motherhood at this point and done enough self, I hesitate to call it self-care, but maybe interior, internal work to know what self-talk I need to hear, you know, sort of the stuff that everybody tells you early on, but you don't really believe things like this will pass. Yeah. You know, this moment will pass. This day will end. It won't always be like this. I can trust myself. I can figure this out. I'm a good mom. And I think over five years of telling myself that, I've come to believe it. I've tried to position myself as a learner with my kids. If I can approach their behavior and just approach them in general with empathy, seeing sort of like 
behavioral issues or whatever as really a cry for skill building rather than something malicious on their part then or a failure on their part I can do that with myself too like when I'm having a moment it's not because I'm a bad mom it's because I'm still a new mom and I need some new skills I love that perspective. I love oh, that. Thanks. It oh, has I helped me that. to be much kinder to myself. Yeah. And we all could use a little more kindness Yeah, <laughs> with ourselves, with everything. Yeah. Um, so you've mentioned before that you don't feel fulfilled by motherhood and you don't feel bad about it. And I, I want to applaud you, f- number one, for saying that because I feel like so many women feel that way, but we are afraid to say it out loud because of judgment. And it's like, to me, motherhood is just one part of our identity. It doesn't have to be the entirety. And to me, even just saying that out loud, I feel like it makes it, it makes me sound so bad, but I'm like, I love motherhood and I appreciate my daughter and I am over the moon that I had a child and she brings me more joy than anything. And see, and I'm, I'm having to justify this because obviously I'm feeling guilty just for saying that out loud. <laughs> but I agree that you, we are multifaceted people. We're not just defined by motherhood. We are writers. We're, you know, freaking fitness instructors. We're this, we're that. Like we, we are so much more than just the motherhood identity. So when you say that out loud, are you surprised by those feelings or what gave you the balls to even just say that? Because <laughs> I admire yeah, it. That's another great question. I'd say I'm not surprised and probably for a lot of the reasons why I didn't want to become, like knowing that I didn't really want to be a mom for much of my life, it doesn't surprise me that I don't find it fulfilling now because it's never something that I was driving for as like my biggest Like I never expected it to give me a sense of fulfillment. Um, I expected to enjoy it. Like I wanted to be a mom eventually, but I don't think I ever expected that it would fulfill me. Um, I honestly think some of this goes back to a college class that I took about the history of marriage and family and learning what a modern construction, um, both marriage for happiness and love is, but also what a modern construction childhood And then the, like our current definition of what motherhood is or what it should be, all of that is so modern and we've never thought about motherhood and childhood and family life the way we do now. And so I guess I don't feel like it's my biological responsibility or my biological bent to be fulfilled by motherhood. And I can love, love being a mom without being fulfilled by it. There are lots of things that give our lives meaning. There are lots of things that form our identity. And trying to be fulfilled by one thing alone is too much pressure on that one thing, whatever it is, you know, whether it's motherhood or a different relationship like marriage or friendship, whether it's our job or our creativity. Like when we put too much stock in one thing to provide us a sense of fulfillment, it just, it kind of all crumbles. And I just love this conversation because I think it's something we don't talk about enough. Um, One of my larger purposes for writing is not just for me, but to connect other mothers who see themselves as women first, who don't want to lose sight of all those pieces of their identities that have been core. You know, we don't lose all that when we become a mother. I think if anything, it provides us a new container to make sense of all the other pieces. 
So well said. So well said. I couldn't have said it better. So I, I think part of the reason why we have the mom guilt and why we're so stressed out as moms, it's because I think a lot of us are putting all of our eggs in that basket. We're all like you mentioned, putting all the stock into motherhood is that's what's supposed to sustain us and make us happy because motherhood is our identity. That's who we are. doesn't matter who you were before. You are now a mom and you are a mom going forward. But it's like we are dynamic. It's not, we're not just moms. We're more than that. So I feel like when you give yourself permission to feel beyond that and know that there's multiple things that make up our happiness, I feel like that kind of helps to not just lower the mom guilt, but I don't know, just realize that it's, we're all going to be okay and it's fine and not, not everything is going to be perfect. Just like how you have bad days at work or bad days in your relationship or a bad day when you went grocery shopping or whatever, you're going to have bad days in motherhood and you're going to have those days where you don't feel fulfilled at all or you never feel fulfilled, but you're still happy and you're still appreciative of the things that motherhood brings you. Yeah, that's exactly right. So what things in life do provide that sense of fulfillment for you? Well, motherhood is certainly a piece. And then the other pieces are my work. I work as a book editor and it's a job that I absolutely love. Um, My creative life, um, traveling, faith, learning, you know, just learning new things my friendships and my marriage, like they are all pieces of me that they are all pieces of who I am. And so none of these fulfill me more than motherhood does, but instead they each contribute to who I am. And I feel like I need each one. Kind of like we were saying before, a single slice of who I am would not be fulfilling to me. Like I need all of those pieces to feel like a full and functional human. And like you were saying, I think we're sort of sold this cultural myth of motherhood that once you become a mom, everything else goes away. And if it doesn't, we need to make it go away because we're supposed to overnight become selfless and sacrificial for the cause, you know, for the sake of our children. Like we are supposed to, in a way, be absorbed by the needs of our children. And I admit that sometimes it feels like that. It's a fight to not let that happen especially in the early days when the physical needs of a baby are all consuming. They need to eat all the time. They need to be held so much. They like, they need so much from us and it's an incredibly demanding season. And I think the key is perhaps giving yourself to that temporarily while also sort of keeping your eyes on who you are and trying to get back slowly to those other pieces that fulfill you. And also letting your sense of fulfillment change. Like maybe something that did provide fulfillment in your life before doesn't anymore. And that can also be a crisis of identity. Like this thing used to mean, you know, fitness or travel or whatever, this thing used to mean so much to me and now I'm just not interested in it. Um, And so I think it's just as much okay to try to get back to the things that have always been important to you as it is to let go of things that no longer feel important to you in the aftermath of like that identity transformation. No, I, I totally agree with that. So you recently published a book, which we've mentioned a little bit earlier, Expecting Wonder, The Transformative Experience of Becoming a Mother, which I have read personally and I've shared it with my friends and family. It was an awesome read. 
And I will make sure that it's linked in the show notes because the mamas are going to want to read this no matter where you are in your motherhood season. Can you tell me more about this endeavor and what inspired you to write that book? Thank you so much for that kind feedback. It means so much to me. So I got the idea for this book while I was trying to conceive and then sort of also during that season of pregnancy, the idea started to take root and unfold in me while I was pregnant with that first baby. And it's basically the book that I wish I'd had during that season. I could only really find like the what to expect type books about, you know, what to eat during pregnancy or how the baby's developing or how to stay healthy. And everything felt so hyper-focused on the medical condition of pregnancy and the development of the baby. But I felt like something, some deep internal work was happening in me at the emotional and spiritual and identity level. It wasn't just, oh, pregnancy is a means to an end and I'm going to have a baby at the end of this and then everything's going to change. I felt like through pregnancy, I was changing. I was becoming a mother and I couldn't find any real stories about other women who had felt that same thing. And so I was like, you know, maybe there's something to this. Maybe I could be the one to write that book. And so Um, I started taking a ton of notes during my pregnancy, just anything, you know, any physical changes, any emotional changes, anything that sort of like triggered thoughts about my past or thoughts about the future. Like I just wrote it all down and then gave myself some distance from it. So when my daughter was about two and a half, I revisited all that and just started writing, started brainstorming, wanted to see if there was a book in it. And those essays eventually became Expecting Wonder. And so in that book, I try to just flip the script on pregnancy. Um, Again, I think this is another place where we are handed this cultural myth and this script that we're supposed to act out that like pregnancy is nothing but joyful and pregnant women should be nothing but grateful. But there's actually a lot of grief and processing and fear that I experienced. And I wanted to give language to other women who were walking through that change and maybe weren't sure how to process what was happening. So sort of the format is that, um, so it's broken up into three parts or three trimesters. And each chapter takes a look at sort of a public facing milestone, like a positive pregnancy test or a baby shower or building out a baby registry in a nursery and flips that on its head using my own experience as the lens to get at a deeper truth and a deeper emotional experience of the process of pregnancy. Yes. I love the format. I loved how you did it. To be honest, your book is probably the only book that I found out there and that I've read to date that was focused more about the experience of becoming a mom. And it wasn't, like you said, just the health stuff. Like, how is your body changing? Everything out there is pretty much just focused on the baby and like, screw the mother. You know, it's like, like, okay, your baby's size of this or your baby's an apple this week. It's a, you know, whatever. But you don't know about all those transformations that you experience as a mom. Some of us experience these things, and I experienced some similar things that you did too, but when we're going through it during the pregnancy, we're thinking like, oh man, should I be feeling this way? Or I should be grateful, or I should be happy, like you said. And it's and to read it from another woman and seeing that you went through these things too, like it made me feel so much better, but it also jogged my memory because you know I've read 
the book, you know, obviously Violet's three years, three years old now. I wish I had had it when I was pregnant, but just reading the book, it, you know, it took me back to that time. And I was like, oh my gosh, I remember feeling this way. And it was, it was a nice, like revisit to those years. But I also want to mention that I love how you end your chapters with, it's like you have the story, but then you also kind of give like, like not, not just advice, but you basically kind of like help the mom feel confident in the decisions that she chooses moving forward, whether it's the same one that you had or if she's doing something different. I like how you kind of weave in like, this advice slash like motivational kind of thing. Like, so every chapter when it ends, it, it makes you feel good. It's like a hug jumping off the page. And then I was always excited to go into the next chapter, knowing that when I, you know, like enjoying it as I'm reading, but then knowing like I'm going to have that little pearl at the end that kind of, you know, kicks me into the next chapter and makes me feel all good about motherhood. <laughs> oh, that is just the nicest feedback. Thank you so much. I did. I really tried to strike that balance of I didn't want to tell my own story for the sake of telling my own story. I really wanted to get at the universal nature of pregnancy and motherhood. And I also fully acknowledge that not all women become mothers through pregnancy. And that's totally okay. My story does center on pregnancy. And so that's the only lens that I could really write it from. But I wanted to take the particular of my story and broaden it so that I could really hold space for women who have had different stories from mine and still offer something that would be useful and encouraging and hopeful to them. Well, you definitely did that. So kudos, mama. Thank you. No, I loved, I love, love, loved your book. So where can our listeners learn more about you and if they wanted to pick up Expecting Wonder or follow you on IG? You're an awesome person to follow on IG. I love your posts. They're so uplifting. Even your IG stories. Oh, can you tell you us so where much. we can find you? Yeah, of course. You're yes. awesome. Instagram is my favorite place to hang out. I'm at Brittany L. Bergman there. And you can find my writing and more about the book at my website, BrittanyLBergman.com. And you can also sign up for my email list there. If you do, I'll send you my self-care planner for busy moms. It's like a planning tool to help you identify what kind of self-care you need, what obstacles are in your way, and the best way to move forward in caring for yourself. And then you can also find the book Expecting Wonder at all major online retailers like Amazon, Target, Barnes and Noble, IndieBound. And whether you're newly pregnant or well past the season of pregnancy, I hope it will be a good fit for you. And it also makes a really great baby shower gift. It does, friends. It does. Thank you so much for being on the show, Brittany. I had a blast talking to you. I did too. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Don't you just love how real Brittany is? If you'd like to learn more about her or her new book, check out momafterhours.com forward slash episodes. Thank you so much for supporting Mom After Hours. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving me a little love on Apple with a rating and a review. And if it sucked, just send me a private message so I can try to fix it. (laughs) Until next time, mamas. Bye.